Now this from Micah chapter 6. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? And what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised and what Balaam son of Beor answered him and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> Have you ever felt like God wanted to argue with you? That God had singled you out and wanted to talk to you directly? Most of us think we're not that important, that God wouldn't single us out, come directly to us, and contend with us, as this passage says. Some of us think we're not that important. Others of us think, I don't have that kind of relationship with God. We don't know each other that well that God would come and speak to me like that. But Micah, Micah has that kind of relationship with God. He feels like God has come to him and is speaking to him directly, but not only as an individual, but as a prophet he believes he's come to him as a prophet, that he wants him to be the person that speaks to the people, to the people of God. Every week when we gather here and we read from the Bible, what do we say? That this is the word of God for the people of God. We count ourselves as part of God's people, God's flock. And Micah says that God wants to speak to God's people. Now, Micah was writing some 700 years before the birth of Christ. So this is a really old piece of Scripture. And yet I think it still has something to say to us today. My proposition is that this ancient text is still relevant to us today. So that when God speaks through Micah and says in verse 2, the Lord has a controversy with His people I think we can apply that to ourselves and think about what God has to say. The controversy is that the people have forgotten what it means to live with God or to live in communion with God or to align one's life the way God would want us to do so. After Micah says that God has spoken and wants to contend with the people of Israel, then God speaks and says, I've done all these things for you. Why are you not paying attention? And at the bottom of verse 5, we get to the real problem is they have forgotten what Micah calls the saving 
acts of the Lord. They have forgotten that God has acted on their behalf in the past and continues to want to be in a covenantal relationship with them now. And because of their confusion, they begin to respond in verse 6, but they're off track. They begin saying, oh, should I bow down more to you, God? Or should I bring burnt offerings or animal offerings? Should I bring things of value? Finally, in verse 7, they say, shall I give my firstborn? For my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? I think right there we can see the crux of their confusion. They're confusing the material or the physical with the spiritual. God is inviting them into a relationship and they're looking for a transaction. Some of the Bible commentators said they're confusing God's invitation for transformation with some kind of economic transaction. They're responding with, can I give you some stuff? They're kind of looking for a quick fix to appease God who's contending with them. Walter Brueggemann is one of the great scholars of the Hebrew Scriptures. He's written so many books about this. Many of you perhaps got to hear him when he was here as our Barton Clinton Gordy lecturer a few years back. In his most recent book, he talks about Micah and some of these other prophets. He's talking about how they're trying to help the people and help us understand all of this. I want to read you a few sentences from Brueggemann. He says, God has no need that humans can satisfy. God wants nothing of precious commodities. In the prophetic tradition, the continual insistence is that trusting relationships, not tradable commodities, are the proper category for communion with God. Then he says, do I need to tell you that what happens in such commodity transactions is that religious values and human possibilities are reduced to economics? Micah is trying to say to his people, God wants a relationship with you. God wants to be in this covenant. I've, God is saying, I've given myself to you and for you, and I'm asking you to give yourself back. And they respond with, can I give you something of value, but just a little piece of what I have? Can I just give you a commodity in a sense? That is, God asks us to offer ourselves, our whole selves, that we might be transformed. And we offer economic transactions as a substitute. Micah is so frustrated with his people that they don't grasp the deeper opportunity to be in a relationship with God. But it's not only way back there in Micah's day. We still know people who come to worship or tell us that they pray regularly or claim to be Christian, even if we know they lie, cheat, and steal in their everyday lives, that they still treat people with disrespect, they still call others names and attack others and manipulate to try to get their own way or try to make it to their own advantage. Micah is saying, listen, people of God, you have become self-focused or self-centered rather than God-centered. God is calling you back to be in relationship, to be focused in a way that brings life and justice to all of life. 
I recently read a story about an immigrant. It was a person I had never heard of. Her name was Maria Magdalena Campos Pons. She's become an art professor at Vanderbilt University. They interviewed her recently about coming to Vanderbilt and the work that she's trying to do. And she says that she sees art as a healing tool, that she's using what she does as an artist to try to connect with people and pull them together. I want to read you a couple of quotes where she spoke about what she's trying to do through her art. She says, I want to be cozy with people. I want to touch them at their softest points. That is what art can do. It can touch those places. Art is a tool of healing. And like Micah, she's thinking not only personal, but also interpersonally and in terms of what happens in a community. She says the solution to prejudice, hate, and injustice exists in the same simple act, spending time with each other, spending time with people you do not know. She goes on to say, ignorance is what keeps us separated. My credo is that we are more close than we are apart. To not understand that is an incredible failure of knowledge. Then they interviewed other people that had worked with her and have known her. One of them said this. She says, one of the extraordinary things about her is that she lifts up everyone around her. I think she understands that her destiny is tied to the destiny of others that her experience of the good life is tied with others experiencing the same and that together they can help each other have a better life. Micah's theme is the same. It's not just as a solo practitioner we come to worship or we give a gift to God and we have a relationship with God, but we're part of a broader community. We're a part of being connected with other people within the family of faith. You can hear it in verse 8 when Micah says, God has told you, O mortal or people, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The rebalancing of a life that has ignored God or strayed from God is not to offer material things to God to God but to offer yourself to God to bring all of who you are and say oh Lord shape me form me transform me into who you want me to be and who you intend me to be Eugene Peterson did his own translation of the scriptures over about a decade it's called the message Bible I want to read to you his rendering of verse 8 so often he puts it in language that really helps. He writes verse 8 like this. But God has already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Can you hear it? It's what Micah is calling 
for the people in his day and for us to do in terms of responding to God. And it has to do with not only responding to God, but how we treat one another, how we get along with those around us, how we work together in community. The good news for us is that we know what God asks of us. It is to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. It's a message or a call for all of us as individuals, but it's not just an individual proposition according to Micah. It's for the whole community of faith. It's for the whole church in our case, that we are to be a people who do justice or work for justice, who love kindness and exhibit and embody that and are humble in our relationship with God that is willing to do what God wants and to go where God leads. But we hear these themes throughout the prophets in the Hebrew Scriptures, but it's not only in the prophets, we also hear it in the Gospels. If you look in Luke 10, there's that story of Jesus being invited by a lawyer to answer a question but jesus refuses to answer and says what do you read they're talking about the great commandment and the lawyer says well it says to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and jesus says yes you have answered rightly that's the right answer but you can hear in this passage and then in Luke 10 where Jesus goes on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan that this idea of doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God is an active thing. It's more than a belief. It's more than an idea that we affirm. It has to do with how we live. So when Micah is saying to do justice, he's capturing this idea of being an advocate, of being proactive, of making sure that we're working for just causes in the world. He's using love as a verb, to love kindness. It's not just to affirm it as an idea, but to embody it in terms of how we live. And of course, he talks about walking humbly with God, the idea that we're moving with God into the future. But you not only hear it in the Gospels, you also hear it in the epistles. In many of Paul's letters, I put... Galatians 5 in your outline is just one place you can look to pick up the theme where Paul is writing. In chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians, this letter Paul has written to the early Christians, he's talking about the difference in terms of lifestyles. And he says you can live to yourself or you can live to God or live to the Spirit. You can walk and do the things you want to do or you can walk by the Spirit. And Paul says you can see the difference it's a different kind of life. And he enumerates there what it looks like to walk with the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. He gives nine characteristics. He says it looks like love and joy and peace, like patience and kindness and goodness or gentleness. It looks like faithfulness, humility, and self-control. But as you read through the passage, you can tell that Again, Paul is picking up on the theme. This is not just something we affirm as an idea of faith, but this is something we do. It has that active sense of living your life from a foundation of faith that you're walking by the Spirit. You're being led by God in terms of how you're living your life, and that has implications for how you treat other people and how you navigate the ups and downs of your own experience. 
Paul's saying the same thing that Jesus affirms and Micah is talking about, saying, okay, I think you all know what it looks like. I think you know the kind of lifestyle that a person of God is encouraged to follow. The question that Micah and the others are raising is, are you following Does your life look like that? Does your life exhibit or embody the fruits of the Spirit? It's kind of amazing to me that a text that was written almost 3,000 years ago can still strike our ears as so relevant to choices we need to make every day in our lives. As United Methodists, we affirm Scripture as that primary source for faith and practice. We say it's everything necessary and sufficient for our salvation, that there's wisdom that is timeless, wisdom for the ages. It's in the Scriptures that can lead and guide us. The question is, are we paying attention? Micah is saying to his people, you aren't paying attention. You've strayed. You've wandered off. You're not focused on what God is wanting us to do. Of course, as United Methodists, we talk about Scripture. We also talk about tradition and experience and reason and how we put all those together as a frame of reference for decision-making, not only on doctrines of faith, but also in terms of discernment about how to live our lives and how to move forward as a person of faith. We say that these Scriptures are trustworthy, Not that we're going to pluck a verse out here or there and build a whole doctrine on it, but that we can see these great themes of Scripture, and they are trustworthy in terms of guiding us to abundant life. You can see them in the Hebrew Scriptures in places like Micah, but you can also see them in the Gospels or the Epistles. You can see these themes threading throughout Scripture where people are writing about their experience with God, where they've been inspired to write down how they've come to know and experience God and what they believe God has said to them. But we not only believe that the Holy Spirit inspired those who are writing Scriptures, but we believe they're still inspiring people like Walter Brueggemann and other scholars who give us insight but also that God's Holy Spirit is here with us. And as we read Scripture together, that God's Spirit can inspire our understanding, can generate and energize us to deeper and stronger conviction in terms of how we're going to live going forward. We believe that God speaks to us even today as we read the Scripture and then listen for God to lead and guide or speak to us. I read a story this week about the great Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I've been a fan of the Green Bay Packers since Bart Starr was their quarterback years ago when I was a kid. Rodgers is a great football player, but I was so disappointed in a sense when I read this story. They were interviewing him about his faith, about what he thought about religion. And I don't know if you saw the story, but he said, oh, I was a Christian growing up. As a teenager, I was a part of a lot of Christian organizations. But he said the one I was a part of the most began to emphasize that there's only 144,000 people that are going to heaven and everyone else is going to be condemned to hell. And he said, when I realized how many people were in the world, I just couldn't imagine worshiping a God that thought like that. And so he said, I'm no longer a Christian. I've left the faith. 
Now, I understand his criticism of the literal interpretation of Scripture and the problems there. But I think his leaders failed him. Because I think he threw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will. I think he missed the main point of the faith. Love God and love your neighbor. Receive the love of God and then share it with others. I think Micah would say to him, wait, wait, Aaron. You've missed it. You've missed the main thing here. Do this. Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. And that afterlife stuff will take care of itself. Amen.